He's a good father. He's been a good father to me. I'm praising him because of my relationship with him. Hallelujah. Out of the depths of my relationship, I can share that he has been a good father to me. Hallelujah. Why don't you just share that testimony with somebody? Just point at him and say, I know him as a good father. Come on. I'm pointing to somebody else and say, I know him as a good father. Amen. That's my relationship with him. That means, that means a lot. That means not only has he been good to me, but because I acknowledge him as father, that also means I listen to what he says. Come on in here now. We, we want to say father, but then we don't want to listen. Jesus says, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? He said, my friends are those who listen to me and who are obey my word. He said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not heed. So I not only thank God for his goodness, that means the things that I appreciate myself, but sometimes his goodness comes in correction. That means he corrects me to keep me out of evil that I don't even see coming. So when I say, good father, I thank you for the things that I appreciate and even the things I don't understand. Lord, thank you for being a good father even when I can't see it. Thank you for being a good father, for keeping me out of dangers that I don't even see. Lord, I thank you and appreciate you as a good father who knows better than I do, whose ways are above my ways and whose thoughts are above my thoughts. Lord, I appreciate you as a good father on this morning. Amen. I thank God for each of you. You Put those hands together and give God some praise. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We thank God for you and each of you who may be watching us online as well. God has been good to us and we're thankful for another communion Sunday. Amen. God has blessed us to see one more month in this year. Amen. We're already halfway through this year. Amen. This year is moving on. Amen. And God has blessed us to see it all. And for that, we are thankful for that. We are grateful. Amen. I imagine about two years ago now, we were wondering if we'd see another year. Come on in here with me now. A couple years ago, we didn't know if we'd make it to see the end of that year. But yet God has blessed us. God has kept us. Amen. I see some blessed people out there. Amen. I see some prosperous people. I see some healthy people out there. And that's enough to give God, I wish I had help here, to give God the thanks, the glory, and the praise. Amen. I praise God for each of you. Amen. I see you out there. You, Some of you have your communion attire on. I see some of you got your uh, red and blue 4th of July attire on. Amen. I, I almost felt like saluting Uncle Fred over here. Amen. But I praise God for each of you. Amen. For coming. And you, like I say, you look blessed. You look prosperous. Amen. And I praise God for each of you who have come to share with us on this morning. Amen. We're going to share a particular word that is relative to our upcoming holiday on tomorrow, you know, is July the 4th. It's when America celebrates its Independence Day. Amen. And we're going to share a word relative to that in just a few moments. Can I pray with you if you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share from your word. Give us all, Lord, open hearts, open minds, open spirits to be receptive to what you're about to say to us in the next few moments. 
Lord, allow us to recognize that this is a destiny moment. This is a moment where our lives can be closer to you, a moment where our destiny can be impacted, a moment where you can pour into our purpose and give us more discreet and finer directions in what you would have us to do, what you would have us to say, and where you would have us to go. Lord, from this moment, do not allow any of us to be unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless you. We're going to the word of the Lord. If you'll follow me to Mark, the eighth chapter. We're going to be looking at St. Mark, chapter eight, and we will focus our reading on verses 22 through 26. Again, that's St. Mark, chapter eight, looking at verses 22 through 26. While you're looking as a frame of reference, we understand that America celebrates its Independence Day, and it's important to understand this from the message. It celebrates its Independence Day on the day that the on in celebrating the Declaration, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence of itself did not make us free. The Declaration of Independence was a document we signed to put. Britain on notice that we weren't going to stand for what they've been doing and we are acknowledging and telling you that we're going to be separate. Now after they signed the Declaration of Independence, then they had to fight. I want you to get that. The war for American independence, the Revolutionary War occurred after the Declaration of Independence. So what I'm telling you is that sometimes you're going to have to declare some things in your life but then you're going to have to fight for it. I wish I had some real folks in here who were listening. Just because you've declared, you know, we, we talk about uh, the power of our tongues, and you do have power in your tongues. And there are some things that you declare and speak over your life, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight for it. And sometimes fighting for it, isn't, we're not talking about literally physically fighting. Sometimes the battlefield is in your mind because you've declared it, but then everything in your circumstance and your experience looks different and separate than what you have declared. So then in your mind, you have to fight the daily fight of what you have proclaimed and what you've declared in your life. But then you're looking at circumstances that look different than what you've declared. Oh, I wish I had help here. The Bible says we're the head and not the tail. But let, let's be real here. Every day you don't feel like the head. The Bible says you'll always be above and not beneath. But some days you feel like you're beneath something. I wish I had some real folks in here. Bible has declared many things that we shall have, that God shall supply all your needs. But some of you on some days, you have felt like you were needy. But what I'm saying is the first battlefield is in your mind. You have declared it and you're declaring it in Christ Jesus. You're declaring it on the promises of God. But that doesn't mean after you declare it that you won't have to fight for it. Point at somebody and say, you might have to fight for it. In our text, we're Mark chapter 8, verse 22, from the English Standard Version, it reads like this, and says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. 
I want to talk to you for a few moments from the thought, freedom delayed. Freedom delayed. I want to talk to you about how you live on the hope of a promise. How sometimes you have to live on the hope of a promise. What does that mean? That means that a promise has been made, but you have not yet achieved the promise. But you're living on the hope of the promise. Having said that, we know that the Declaration of Independence did not literally make the United States free, and it certainly as African Americans did not make us free. If anything, it was just the Declaration of Independence promised things that we hope to achieve in the future, some things that we are still hoping for. We're still hoping for some of those things. That it is our inalienable right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that is an adaptation by Thomas Jefferson of John Locke, who actually said life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. And many of us as African Americans know that that pursuit of property is something that has sometimes eluded us and still eludes us. That pursuit of happiness that we can find in attaining some of the necessities that we need to subsist and sustain in America. It was a promise that was literally, just being honest, was not even made to us. It was a promise that was made to those who were citizens of the country of which we were not citizens. But it was a promise yet and still our ancestors hoped for. They hoped for. And I'm talking about living on hope, living with the hope of a promise. Because I see in America, particularly amongst people of color, a day where many of us might be disillusioned. We don't, we don't suffer the egregious trials that were, impounded, that were impacted our ancestors, but yet we are still reaching towards a promise that has not yet been achieved, and sometimes we become disillusioned and frustrated. And, and I want to say and speak that there is yet hope in reaching for the promise. We have, let's be clear, we have not yet reached that promise. But we are reaching and hoping and moving in the direction of that promise. And while we're moving, we still have to hold on to hope. Now, our, our hope can't always be in a document that was mostly constructed by a man who said that all men are created equal while there were slaves working in his plantation and slaves living in his house. And, and, and he has, even in his writings, Thomas Jefferson has said that he did not believe the black person, the African-American, to be equal in intellect as other persons. He believed us to be inferior. And while holding on to that belief, he wrote the words that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that God has created us and we should be considered equal. That's a promise from a document which we really are celebrating the ratification, not not necessarily the ratification, but the signing of that document on today, July 4, 1776. It's what we celebrate on Independence Day. It was a promise, and I can't help but think that our ancestors 
relied upon that promise. That our ancestors were hoping that that promise would be a reality for them. Can't help but think that as they worked in the fields and as people called them anything except their name, people looked at them as if they were property and if if they were subhuman, if they were sub-intellectual, they didn't have the mental capacity to, to even be on their level. As they dealt with that type of treachery and dealt with that type of discrimination and racism, that somewhere in their mind there was hope. As, somebody, as one of them, I believe, they would, as they would go to church because that was sometimes the only time that they could gather and not be observed and gathered and not be censored, that somebody back there was trying to get a scrap of a piece of paper uh, uh, out of a Bible so that they could learn to read, so that they could try to grab on to the hope of the promise. They continued to live and, and, and have children, and, and, and they didn't commit suicide. They didn't harm themselves. And why did they not hurt themselves? Because they were living with the hope of a promise. If you think of it this way, some might even ask the question when they weren't forced to, why, why would they even have children that were born in their, into their condition? But I believe when they had children, they were having children with the hope that they would live in a world that was better than the world that they were living in, that they would some, someday experience something better than what they were experiencing. They were living with the hope of a promise. And many of them who, who never saw anywhere close to the promise being fulfilled kept having children, kept having hope, kept going to church, kept believing in God, kept having faith because they were living with the hope of promise. And I'm saying that to somebody today because I want you to understand it's easy to live with hope when you're sitting in a cushioned seat in an air-conditioned building. It's easy to talk about hope when you can access information and all you need from a cell phone and that you have all of your basic needs are supplied. But it's a little more difficult to live with hope in an unair conditioned quarters in the back of a plantation where you're fed scraps from the master's table, where you have to be given the, 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 uh, the portions of the hog that nobody else wanted. And some of you turn your nose up at chitlins and pig feet and all of those things. That's what our ancestors had to exist on. It wasn't a delicacy to them. It was all they had. So they had to live with the scraps and, and, and the entrails and the feet and the hooves of the hog and whatever else they could get their hands on. They couldn't, they couldn't get all of the flour. So they had to, whatever little uh, cornmeal that they had, they had to learn how to bake it and how to cook it and how, how to fry it and to come up with fritters and to come up with hot water cornbread and to come up with some of the stuff we turn our nose up down because we're a little more refined now. Our, our palate is a little more delicate and a little more intricate, but, but our I'm telling you, it's difficult. It's easy to have hope now, but I'm telling you the conditions with which they had to live with and still have hope. They had to live not only every day hoping that they wouldn't be whipped, but they had to live every day hoping that they wouldn't be killed. Because there wasn't a court in the land that would have satisfied the justice of their death. Just we were killing a slave was like killing a, a, a cow or killing a hog. 
It was your property and you were entitled to dispose of it in any matter that you felt was appropriate. There was no court of law. There was no compensation. There was no grand jury hearing. There was no prosecutor. They were killed freely because they were property. I'm talking about living with the hope of a promise. Working out in the fields all day and, and, and baby, they didn't, they didn't stop working in the cotton fields because the heat index was high. Come on now. Some, some of y'all got sunscreen and you, you, some of y'all tip outside and say, ooh, it's too hot to go out today. They didn't have that option. It didn't matter how hot it was, didn't matter how sunny it was, didn't matter how humid it was, didn't care, matter what the heat index was. They were expected and compelled to go out or they were subject to punishment. Sometimes those punishments were whipping and if they didn't like the heat, sometimes they had hot boxes where they would sit in a box that was intended to be hotter, where the heat would be contained and they would sit there for hours as punishment for them not being obedient to their master. I'm talking about, I'm just explaining the conditions of living with the hope of a promise. And some of us, we have so much access to church and we get a little few words of hope. But baby, they clutched on to church like it was their dying breath. They clutched on to the hope like it was the rope that was holding them over a cliff because they needed to hear a little hope after everything that they had been through all of that week. After they had been driven mercilessly to work in the heat. After they'd been whipped. After all of their hopes and dreams were crushed on a daily basis. And baby, listen, we're talking about the physical. Let's not even talk about the mental. Think of the mental stress that a slave had to live with. The emotions of not even having any autonomy. I'm talking about autonomy over your body. They had no autonomy over any part of their body. They couldn't choose anything that they wanted to do. They had to live with that stress every day of being killed, of being whipped, of their family being snatched away from them. Their children weren't even their own. They had a child, but the child didn't even belong to them. The child could be snatched away and sold. And if they, if they got upset about it, sometimes they sell them to another plantation. Sometimes just to make the point, to let them know that you don't run anything. You're not in charge of anything. And just because you have a child doesn't mean it belongs to you. I'm talking about, I'm explaining these conditions and I want you to understand it because I'm talking about living with the hope of a promise. Because sometimes we, we get... God gives us a word and, and we, we walk driving around in our cars and going to our jobs and living in air conditioning and doing what we want to do. And if it doesn't look good, we're like, Lord, why did you abandon me? Come on now. I'm talking about the conditions with which they had to maintain their hope. Someone wanted to marry, but the master said no. So they had to secretly act like they were married and hope that they didn't get caught. And then even after that, even if they had a little jump in the broom ceremony to celebrate their nuptials, that didn't mean that the master still wouldn't sell one of them away to another plantation. Talking about living with the hope, the hope of a promise. 
So when I'm talking about freedom delay, that, that's what I'm talking about. Most of, the, most of the slaves didn't understand the Declaration of Independence, didn't know that it existed, and certainly could not read it. But they saw other people. They saw their uh, transparent and their clear brothers and sisters living in a way that they wanted to live. So therefore, they had to grab on to the hope of what they saw. Somebody else living. Somebody else experiencing, but it was so far and distant from their own experience. Their freedom was delayed. Praise God, we use the delayed word and not the denied word. They were, it was delayed, but it was not denied. And in America, we've seen incremental progress, but I have to say that my great-great-great-grandfather didn't see it. My great-great-grandfather didn't see it. My great-grandfather didn't see the fullness of the promise. My grandfathers didn't see the fullness of the promise. My father, who up until middle school went to a segregated school, didn't see the fullness of the promise. And in my lifetime, I'm going to see more than, some, than all of my ancestors have seen before. But I dare to say that we're not going to see, I may not see the fulfillment of that promise, but it doesn't mean that I won't live with hope. And, and I, I need you to get that because when the landscape looks bad and when, when Congress and the Supreme Court and the president can't get it together, I want you to realize that your hope is not all in them, but my hope is in Jesus. But I, I'm living with the hope. Of a promise. I'm living with the hope of the promise. And, and the thing I'm living, the reason I'm living with that hope is that even when our country has failed to come up to where they need to be, sometimes the Lord has pushed us forward and allowed us to progress to places that the nation was not ready for yet. Sometimes God can, you know, the word says we know that all things work together for the good of them. Sometimes God in his way of even our suffering is causing good things to come out of our suffering. He's allowing progress to come out of our suffering. He's allowing our hope to be realized even in small portions out of suffering. That's what God is doing because our freedom was delayed, but maybe it has not been denied. And that's what we see in our text on a small scale. We see this man who was blind. And the people begged Jesus to touch this man. He took the blind man by the hand after they asked him. And he led them, him out of the village. Because when he led him out of the village, that seems to indicate to me that some of the malfunction of this man must have been found inside the village. Something, some of the dysfunction must have been related to this man's environment. Something about the environment was causing this man to remain dysfunctional. Jesus said, I'm leading you out of this village. And just as Jesus will lead him out, sometimes God is literally and figuratively leading us out of our circumstances because sometimes the environments that we choose are contributing to our dysfunction. 
Remember, God told Abram, he said, I, he said, leave the, the place of where you are, leave where your kindred and I, and go to a place that I will show thee. And he said, I will make your, your descendants more numerous than the sands of the sea and then, and the stars of the sky. He was telling him what he was going to do. He was going to make him great, but he had to come out of where he was. And the problem with many of us is not a physical location that we need to come out of. It's a mindset. Sometimes our deliverance doesn't even, you don't even have to get, you don't have to get out of your, this city. You don't have to get out of your house. Sometimes, baby, you don't have to get out of your seat. You just need to get out of that broken mindset. Because sometimes we're in the captivity of our own mind. The captivity of our own limited expectations. I told you sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you is you surround yourself with a lot of people who don't want anything. And you not wanting anything can be killing people because you don't want anything. Ah, I wish I had help here because you, you, you need people who have aspirations, people who can see beyond where they are right now. Come on now. If you like to travel, you can't keep hanging around folks who like to stay in Shelbyville all the time. All I need is in Bedford County, baby. I don't have to leave. Come on now. You're going to have to come out of that mindset if you desire some different things. I wish, wish I had help here. Some people think that all the money that they need is where they are, but sometimes you might want something more than that. So you might have to come out of that mindset. You might have to deliver yourself from the people you're surrounded with if you want to go to another level. You're trying to start your own business. You're trying to be an entrepreneur. You're trying to, to make things happen. You're trying to have a portfolio and invest in the stock market. If you keep hanging around people with a limited mindset... You're going to limit your own possibilities. They tell you that the way you can judge a man and what he's going to accomplish is just look at his friends. He's more likely not to accomplish any more than his friends said, the people who are around him. So what I'm telling you is if you are desiring something more, you might have to change your circumstances, maybe not where you live, but maybe who you associate with. Maybe you need to change your mindset. And, uh, and if you're the smartest of all of your friends, baby, I always say it's time to get some new friends. Not get rid of your old friends, but get somebody who's, hang around somebody who's smarter than you are. Hang around somebody who's more successful than you are. I wish I had help here. Somebody who, who, who you can aspire to where they are because the first place you need to be delivered from is your own mind. Be delivered from your own mind. Some people are sick because their sickness is because of their mind. I wish I had. You can be physically ill because of your mindset. I wish I had help here. That, 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 that's a real diagnosis that, that people just have a mindset that they're sick all the time and they see physical manifestations of that illness because their mind is telling them that they're sick. They don't need they don't need to be delivered physically. They need to be delivered from their mind. We, sometimes we talk about, about even our young people. Sometimes they don't need to be smarter. They just need better examples. I wish I had, I wish I had help here. We, you know, we're talking about all men are created equal. We got, we got smart kids that live in the ghetto, smart kids that live in public housing, smart kids that live in the hood, as we say. 
They're smart, but why do they want to become a drug dealer? Is because that's all they see. That's the most successful person that they see. So their aspirations is based on what they see. So what we need to do is deliver them from that mindset so that they can see that they can become more. They can do more. They can aspire to something greater. Because the first deliverance is not from your environment or from your city, but your first deliverance is from your own mind. And somebody right now, I'm telling you, your limitations that you have on yourself are not imposed by the environment. They're not imposed by the man. They're not imposed by God. But they're imposed by the limitations of your own mind. You have to see yourself greater than where you are. I, I, share, I often share the story before, but when we talk about the puzzle, when you have a puzzle, it's rare that you find a puzzle that can be completed inside the box. For the puzzle to be put together and be completed, you have to deliver the puzzle from the box it came in. You have to pour out the pieces. And I'm telling somebody right now that you need to pour out your pieces. You've been stuck in a box of where you are, who you're from, or who your parents are, what part of town that you're from, or limited by what you've seen. You need to pour yourself out to box, out of the box, because the completed picture of who you are cannot fit inside the box you came in. God said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Sometimes our own limitation is our mind and we need to pour ourselves out of the box that we're in. And then God will cause the pieces to be put together because I can't complete the dreams that I have inside my box. I can't complete the destiny that God has for me inside a box. I can't aspire and reach where God, the level where God wants me to go inside the box. So if I'm going to get there, I have to pull my pieces outside of the box. Point at somebody and say, pour out of the box. Pour out of the box. You have to come outside. Come outside of the box. But 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 don't throw the box away. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what God's doing this morning. <laughs> Point at him and say, don't throw the box away. <laughs> the reason you don't throw the box away is because the picture on the box tells you how the pieces are supposed to fit. To, oh, <laughs> How the pieces are supposed to fit together. And when, when, when God says, I see you, God doesn't see you as the jumbled up pieces inside the box. God sees you as the picture that's on the, I wish, that's on the outside of the box. So when he says you are the head and not the tail, he's not talking about the pieces inside the box. He's talking about the poured out pieces with the completed picture that's on the outside of the box. When he says you're above and not beneath, he's not talking about the jumbled up puzzle pieces inside the box. He's talking.
something about the completed puzzle that looks like the picture that's on the outside of the box. So when you come out of the box, don't throw the box away. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, don't throw the box away. Don't throw the box away because my Bible says he'll make your enemies your footstool. And I say that because sometimes the reason you have enemies is because they're not fighting the, the person you look like right now. They're fighting what you will be. Uh, they're, they're, they're not mad about you staying inside the box jumbled up, but they're mad at the potential they see on the outside of your box. They see what you're going to. Uh, the devil ain't worried about where you are right now, but he's worried if you stay on the same path that you're on right now, that you're going to look like, I wish I had help here. It does not appear what we shall be, but, but when he does appear, we shall be like him. They're afraid that you're going to one day resemble the picture that's on the outside of the box. That's why God said, I don't see a valley of dry bones. But all of those bones came outside of a box. And when I pour them outside of the box, I start to put them together so that they resemble the picture that's on the outside of the box. And while you see jumbled up bones, God said, I see an exceeding great army. And that's what God is saying to somebody this morning. He said, I don't see a confused person that doesn't know where the next step is. I don't see a person who's sick. I don't see a person who's worried about the next doctor's appointment. I don't see a person who's worried about if their kids will be saved. I don't see a person that doesn't know how their bills are going to come together. I don't see a person that has anxiety. I don't see a person that's battling depression. But it's that I see a picture that's on the outside of the box. I see you healed. I see you delivered. I see you set free. I see you prosper. I see you healthy. I see you wealthy. God said, I see you for what you shall be. And that's why I can praise him. In the middle of my trial, I can praise him. When I look like the puzzle pieces, I can praise him. Because I know I say one day I'm going to look like what God created me to be. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. I might look rusty. I might look broken. But one day I shall come forth. I shall come I shall come forth as pure gold. Somebody give God some praise in this house. Put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Everybody stand with me. Hallelujah.
things in this particular story. One of the things that I like about this story is that when Jesus, he leads the man out of the city. He touches him and then the man says, I see men as trees walking. And then Jesus touches him again. And the man begins to see clearly. He saw clearly. And when I thought about the man seeing clearly, I've always thought that God cleared his sight for the purpose of him seeing the outside world. That God cleared his sight for the purpose of seeing other people more clearly. Because that's specifically what he said. He said, I see men as trees walking. Tends to indicate that this man may have already seen before because he really says, the Bible says he restored his sight. So at one point, this man knew what a tree looked like. I see men as trees walking. Jesus touches him again. So I'm saying Jesus touched him so that he could see other men more clearly. But God told me something. He said, no, Larry. I didn't want him to see clearly so he could see other people. I wanted him to see more clearly so that he could see himself. <laughs> I wanted him to see more clearly. It, it wasn't about other people. Oh, but I wanted him to see more clearly so he could see himself. And that's what God is trying to do with us because a lot of us are walking around blind. Because you see everybody else, but you can't see yourself. And when I say you see, when I say see yourself, I don't mean see yourself for where you are. See yourself in your current situation. See yourself with your certain same problems and trials. But I need God to open my eyes. I need God to open our eyes. Oh, somebody pray that with me right now. Lift up those hands. God, open my eyes so I can see myself clearly. So I can see me the way you see me. Come on, say it again. Say, Lord, help me to see me the way you see me. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, touch our vision, touch our minds, touch our spirit, Lord. Sometimes we sell ourselves short and we err and we sin and we fall short because we don't recognize how valuable we are. We don't recognize the path that you have put us on. We don't recognize how much value you've invested in us. We only see ourselves for where we are, but Lord, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, that we can live with more hope, Lord. Our circumstances and our environment might not look great, but Lord, even like our ancestors, Lord, help us live with the hope of the promise that you made to us. 
Lord, whatever you promise us, Lord, you're not like man that should lie, nor the son of man that should repent. But Lord, everything that you have declared, your word shall be performed even until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to rely upon that hope, to see ourselves more clearly, to worship you, Lord, more fully, to trust you even more, Lord, to recognize that our hope is not in this world. But Lord, our hope is in Jesus Christ. And Lord, for that, we thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory and the honor right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, put those hands together. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you and we pray that you live with hope until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.